Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Oh yes, hello my friends and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. Hayden, the first Underdog Invitational is complete. Some very interesting mixed results so for the next 45 minutes again we'll go through this 18 round draft 12 people in our football bubble and try to figure out you know what they did well and what they could have done differently next year when we're doing this it's going to be a three-on-three basketball tournament in person where we can actually have some fun draft together (laughs) then evaluate the teams maybe next year we'll give away like ten thousand dollars instead of this 2500 so um it was a good process to go through the teams um, some some teams did well, I thought. Some teams didn't do as well. And today we're going to reward the teams that had the best strategy, not just the best players, but also the best strategy. So here's the outline for today's show. We're going to go through the first round, maybe the first couple rounds, to figure out how these 12 drafters uh, conduct the early part, the early round draft strategy. Then we're going to go and pick our top four, our top four favorite drafts. We'll go four to one. We'll alternate and maybe Hayden and I will have some different orderings of our favorites as well. Uh, I will put, for all of you watching us live here on YouTube, again, we're here every Monday through Thursday, 12.30 Eastern. Smash that like button down below and subscribe. I'll put the chat in the comments so you guys can follow along. Hayden will obviously have it pulled up as well. And maybe we'll do some superlatives and some, some favorite picks after that. All right, Hayden, let's pull it up. Obviously, the contestants, we should probably go through here. Hayden, the top three, Frank Michael Smith. Chris Allen, Nick Ercolano, a.k.a. Nick BDGE. Uh, who is DB, by the way? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Peter Overzet, Al Smizzle, Davis Maddock. We had Ian Harditz, uh, Peter Jennings, Michael Leone, uh, the pod father himself, Matthew Kelly, and Jack Settleman. Those are our 12 participants with one mystery person in there. Yeah, the draft started as, as it typically would, Hayden. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, in the top two, that's going to be like that unless you have a shocking underdog draft out there. Then after that, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, and Alvin Kamara. Those were the first five running backs before the Travis Kelsey bookend. So the draft starts at pick three right now. And I think on PPR, this is where you can start getting all the way up to like Travis Kelsey, maybe one of these receivers. I think in half PPR, you still got to pick one of these running backs. But which running back that is kind of comes down to Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott. For me, my rankings, I was Zeke Elliott. I'm back buying back into the Cowboys offense. I think that they're going to give him the touches. I don't think that Tony Pollard is an actual threat. That's The Cowboys are giving him 
way too much money. So if, for my money, I would have gone Zeke, but you can make the case for Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, or Alvin Kamara. The mystery participant has been solved. Thanks to Eagles. Thanks to our buddy, Nick Rudman. It's Dan Back, obviously. Obviously, it's Dan Back. We should have known that. But where drafts are right now, and things have even changed since this slow draft even started, um, it wouldn't be surprising at all where Ian, I believe, at the 109 got Tyreek Hill or the 108. Um, that might be happening earlier and earlier as we progress in these next few weeks, Aiden. So 10 of the first 12 picks were running backs. And I think that Travis Kelsey is going to be a first round pick in every single draft. I think that Tyree kill Stefan Diggs and Devonte Adams are the th- three wide receivers that could be first round picks. If you wanted to go with a different type of build, I think that if Aaron Rodgers comes back to training camp, I think that Devonte Adams will be a consensus first round pick. I'm okay with getting ahead of that or trying to get ahead of that early in the second round right now. Um, and then outside of that, the only running backs that we didn't talk about here that I think deserve some love to go in the first round would be Joe Mixon and Antonio Gibson. I think that those two have a high enough ceiling to be lo- belong in the first round, even though they have never proven to be first round picks. I think that this is the year where they both have the offense around them to get back into that first uh, first round discussion. Ten of the first round picks were running backs. Again, the only ones that were not were Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. You outlined the running backs who should have consideration in the first round. Um, I've made the case for CH possibly finishing the year at 106, but there is you know, no reason to think that that is locked in. So I agree with you that the Mixons, the Gibsons deserve to be in there as well. What stood out to me was obviously almost flipped in terms of wide receiver picks, running back picks. They, they were about equal there in round two with a George Kittle mixed in as well. Uh, hey, not to jump too far ahead right now, but Najee Harris was the one who fell further in this draft and I think in many other drafts being the 303 selection. Yeah, that was one of the better values. We've, we, I think that we've dropped Najee Harris down a tier, maybe a half of a tier um, compared to like the CEH and Antonio Gibson's. But I still think that Najee Harris, that, that workload is going to make him a, a at least a high-end RB2, perhaps even an RB1. So I think that if the drop-off happens after Aaron Jones and Najee Harris, then you get a big tier drop to like the J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift tier. So I think that Najee Harris at the 303 was was good value. So did you do some digging on on the starts? Because typically we, we look at those starts in the first three rounds either a wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, so on and so forth. What'd you find with these 12 drafters as well? So I looked at the first three rounds just to see how many running backs each team took. There was only one team that did not draft a running back in the first three rounds. That was a zero RB build. Most had one running back. That was six. Uh, Six of the teams had only one running back. And then four teams had two running backs. And there was only one robust RB team this this um in this draft so i think this is pretty normal you can go zero rb you can go robust rb i think that the consensus right now across the industry is to go either hero rb or or draft two running backs to start and then fill out the rest of it so i thought that the first three rounds this was a pretty standard view of how most people are drafting in fantasy love that in the chat that we are getting people's opinions on these a lot of love for peter overzet some love for Matthew Kelly as well. Keep bringing them. Again, we're going to go through our top four drafts of what we feel feel are the best drafts out there. 
um, for this one. And in the end, give away $2,500 to their listeners, to their readers, to their viewers. I do want to call attention to a couple of these because, you know, not to rush to any judgment here, Hayden, but most likely some will not be among our top four. Nick Ercolano here in the three spots, starting off with three running backs and Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris. In fact, five running backs in the top six rounds, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt. We just posted a video on YouTube, a clip. It was from a previous show as well that talked about how so many different running back builds work. Hayden, this is something that we do not see very often. Do we think that this is an interesting strategy for this because it just seemed to be value over and over and over again at his turn, or maybe something else happened while he was drafting. Maybe a couple margaritas got in the way of Nick Ercolano here. A couple margaritas likely uh, auto draft. I think that this is, there's a, there's a little bit of a trap going on on underdog right now because all of the running backs shifted back about six, seven spots and the wide receivers go up. So all of a sudden there's all these like running back values. And if you if you keep drafting running backs and all of a sudden you're going to look at your wide receivers at like round 12 and you're way, way, way behind. So um, I would draft at the most three running backs with my first 10 picks. I think if you're drafting a fourth or a fifth running back, you're punting values. I think that wide receiver, um, you need at least four or five wide receivers by round eight. Um, and it's hard to do that if you keep drafting a bunch of these like running back values. Again, not to spoil anything else, but Jack Sedeman there at the 112. Always the ends, the polar ends of these drafts are interesting to me because at 112 and 201, the running back value there really screams to you like really really stands out to you and and Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon I think they're two players that you and I both really like but then he follows it up with Patrick Mahomes Julio Jones CJ Hawkinson and then a run of five wide receivers if you're going to go and select two running backs very early on that combination in the next eight rounds basically of five wide receivers a quarterback and a tight end makes a ton of sense yeah I call it bimodal RB that's running back running back to start and then you don't draft another running back until it's like the classic zero RB targets in the double digit rounds. You're banking on your first two running backs, and then you're just trying to find value at wide receiver and earn back those points. Uh, the one thing with, with Settlements team is he drafted Patrick Mahomes unstacked at the 312. So that immediately uh, eliminated from my my ranking. But if you look back at just this 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 league in general. Um, seven teams had at least two stacks with a quarterback and a, and a wide receiver or tight end and four teams had one stack, at least one stack. So, um, all the experts are, are, are stacking. You don't have to force a stack, but you're, you're punting correlation. If you're not finding at least one or two stacks. And I think that you, there's even like a little bit of strategy in like the middle rounds targeting wide receivers who their quarterback goes later in the draft as like a backdoor stack. I think that's something to keep in mind. We saw that happen a couple times in this draft. So glad that we're getting people giving their favorite teams. Again, I'm going to link for the podcast listeners the the full draft in the show notes as well. Even Dan Back is here. Dan, appreciate you being here to witness what is about to happen. Let's break down Dan's team. Why not? Here out of the four slot, Saquon Barkley, George Kittle, Terry McLaurin, Miles Sanders, Kenny Galladay, Javante Williams. So, I mean, it's a tight end running back heavy with quarterback later on. To me, Dan, as the train goes by, that's always a good sign for you, Dan Back. Um, you are absolutely leaning on Justin Herbert, Jarvis Landry, Miko Hardman, and Elijah Morse. You need Miko and Elijah to like really have outstanding rookie or second year seasons. And maybe that's why I couldn't go to you, but maybe just your evaluation, your projection of those two players is one that is different than mine. And you can always be right. And I was can be wrong. 
I think from a roster construction standpoint, he knocked it out of the park. He didn't commit too much to quarterbacks um, or tight ends. After he drafted George Kittle and Justin Herbert, you didn't see him go back to the quarterback or tight end well. Way after his wide receivers and running backs look good, he'll be able to compete at the flex. So um, I thought that Dan's draft was was perfectly fine. All right. Now is the time, Hayden Winks, go from four to one in terms of our favorite draft in the initial, the inaugural underdog invitational. Again, in the end, we will disperse 100 Best Ball Mania 2 tickets, $2,500 is on the line for all of you out there. Okay, how we're going to do this, four to one, we'll alternate. Hayden, why don't you go first? Who, in your opinion, got fourth place in these drafts? Mike Leone, he started off with kind of a bimodal RB approach. He got Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins early on. And what I liked after he did, he committed to those two running back spots, he waited until he got James Conner and Latavius Murray, two high upside running backs. If one of those two could piece together a couple weeks, he'll be able to compete at the flex with three really strong running backs. The most important thing for Leone's teams is he stacked the best out of any any team he has a 49er stack he has a Chicago Bears stack and then he also has this interesting Raven stack without Lamar Jackson he has J.K. Dobbins uh, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown I'm not sure if, if you should be having three players without the quarterback but I, th- I thought that at least was interesting if Lamar Jackson has like an MVP uh, season again obviously he has a plenty of the Ravens to go along with that I also liked how he went three quarterbacks because his first two quarterbacks where Trey Lance and Justin Fields, he doesn't know if he's going to get starting weeks out of those guys early. So he goes to Sam Darnold, who we know is starting. So I think that's smart. If you're punting on quarterback, draft a third one. And then on the flip side, since he drafted Mark Andrews early, he only went with two tight ends. He's banking on Mark Andrews. So I thought construction-wise, this is really a really strong team. And I think that his stacking was really unique. And I think that's why he's going to be competing here. I think this is one small error in going from four to one because actual Michael Leone, congratulations. You are the second place finisher to me. And it's for a lot of the reasons that Hayden laid out. I mean, stacking was kind of like the fantasy bubble buzzword for the first month of best ball summer. It was very hot and still remains hot. Best ball summer does. And I think it was kind of taken a bit far early on because a lot of people were like forcing average offense stacks by like reaching on those quarterbacks or those players to get just, you know, a stack. But when you do that with two teams, in my opinion, that have a chance of being, and this is maybe hyperbole, but the best offense in the NFL in Baltimore Ravens, which they were just a couple of years ago, granted Lamar Jackson isn't the piece there, but Hayden, I've also had multiple conversations of, of creating stacks without the quarterback involved, because that sometimes is the piece you have to reach on most. And, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown, and then going in the opposite direction with the passing game stack of the San Francisco 49ers and Brent Nayuk, Debo Samuel, and Trey Lance. And then, as you mentioned, it, a third stack in Allen Robinson, Justin Fields, and Cole Komet. That stands out to me because while all those teams aren't going to be great, especially maybe the Bears, there's a chance for all three offenses to be great. And then the ones that you didn't stack, the early on picks of Cam Akers and Calvin Ridley, those are two more great offenses. So you know me, you all are listeners and viewers and all that kind of stuff. I care about good teams and good offenses. And this absolutely filled every single one 
of those categories to me. And you get that ridiculous quarterback upside because as soon as, and if they are Justin Fields and Trey Lance name starters during preseason work, they're going to jump up. I don't know, two or three or four, if not more quarterback spots just at their position. And then you follow that up with Sam Darnold, who's going to get the start immediately early on. That's why I like Leone so much. The other note, James Conner just watched his film from last year. He's not complete dust, guys. I watched him. He's not explosive. He's not the dustiest running back in the league. He's certainly good enough to handle a workload. So I think that James Conner is kind of being slept on. I think a lot of people just assume because of the the Steelers' offensive line was so bad that James Conner couldn't move. That was just like simply not the case. Um, so I like the James Conner pick um, in round nine. So shout out to all the ETR subs. Mike Leone's Mike Leone such a baller that he's going to give you guys uh, 25 Best Ball Mania 2 tickets. He'll uh, send those out some way probably later this week. Yeah, go flood his mentions on Twitter. Be like, hey, hey, I want one. I'm sure he'll love that. I'm sure he'll love that. And while you're there, go and subscribe down below. Like this video as well. Okay, your number four, my number two already off the table. So I'll give my number four. And mainly I just want to talk about this draft because it's to me so different, so unique. It's the 108 spot. It's our dear friend, Ian Harditz. He's up there as free Duke Johnson. You can see at the top, start off with Tyree kill and Devonte Adams two pass catchers that have the potential of being the overall wide receiver one and wide receiver two when the season is over with. And then where it got interesting to me is rounds three through seven, um, took four running backs in that area, DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne, Josh Jacobs, and Chase Edmonds. And while you and I have debated many of those players were on the same page about all those players, I think anyone can pick holes in any of those. Uh, one, sometimes and all the time, we're shocked by what happens in the NFL season. DeAndre Swift could go out there and be an absolute baller. Um, but two, it seemed like to me, Hayden, he was chasing just 10-point weeks at the running back position and, and hoping to get – you know, two of those out of, you know, any of those four running backs. And then following that up with even more wide receivers in Deontay Johnson there in round five. And I think some really fun ceilings of Jalen Waddle, Darnell Mooney, and heck, even a Cole Beasley, who I think is, is, is underrated week in and week out. Uh, I really liked what Ian did because it's really a build that we haven't seen very often. Running backs, wide receivers are the two most important positions in fantasy. The only critique I have of Ian's team that jumped out to me was I think it's probably hard to compete for first place if you're punting quarterback and tight end. That's two of your right. spots. Um, and I just looked at the data. He didn't have a tight end up until uh, round 12. Teams that didn't pick a tight end until round 12, on average last year, averaged 20 fewer points than teams that at least had one or two tight ends. And then the same thing for quarterbacks – Teams without a quarterback until round 14, on average, uh, had 27 fewer points than teams with either one or two quarterbacks. So that's like 45, 47 points that he has to make up with these the depth at running back and wide receiver. So I'm okay with punting one of the two onesie positions. I think it's harder to punt both of them. So I wish he would totally have fair. grabbed one tight end or one quarterback instead of one of those running backs or wide receivers earlier on. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely hate his tight ends. And in fact, you and I both believe that Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki basically cancel each other out in that offense. And and Ian has both on his roster because Kosicki played the majority of the snaps in the slot last year. He's certainly not going to do that this year with unless they run, you know, basically four wide receiver sets at all times and Waddle and Kosicki make up the majority of their snaps in that position. I just really want to talk about it because, again, very rarely will we see someone, especially who 
uh, writes about 13 articles a day on fantasy football, uh, draft four running backs in a five-round span after round two. But Ian did it, so I wanted to call attention to it. Okay, that's my four. Who's your three? Number three is Peter Jennings, CSU Ram 88 across the fantasy industry. He went with a running back, running back start. And then after that, he waited until round nine to grab his third running back. He waited till round 12 to draft his fourth running back. That's the strategy that I like. I like attacking the running backs early. They have the highest upside. That's where most of your fantasy production at running backs happen is in the first two rounds. But you can't keep going back to the well. And I thought Peter Jennings did a good job of waiting to draft his backup running backs. He was also the second fastest team to get to his fourth wide receiver. So he's winning the flex here. And he also had five wide receivers through round seven. So after he went to those running backs, he really attacked wide receivers because wide receiver and running back are the two most important positions. And then on top of that, he got two stacks. He went with the Jaguar stack with DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, and Trevor Lawrence. If something happened to LaVisca Chenault, all of a sudden he's got uh, two quality wide receivers. And then the other more important stack was the the Brown stack. He got Odell. He got um, Baker Mayfield. He correlated with his tight end with Austin Hooper. And then he rounded out, got that last receiver in Rashard Higgins in the last round. So I thought Peter Jennings' team looked really rock solid um, across the board. Uh, the only reason why I didn't give him to the first two is he drafted – um, six running backs after investing in, in Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson. He probably should have gone wide receivers or tight ends late in the draft after he committed to those top four running backs. Right. That was like the only negative I can think of. And five running backs in the top 13 rounds. You know, it wasn't just like four in the final four rounds of the draft because those top 13, those top 12 rounds are really the bulk of where your team is made up of. I will say, you know, in those first two rounds, you mentioned it, Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson, and then following up with five straight wide receivers. Hayden, I would say like that's our most consistent build, at least when I'm making these teams, because I feel, again, really good about, I don't know, 14, 12 of those top running backs. And uh, you can easily get two of those where he's picking um, at about like the 109, 110 area. Uh, so that, that makes a ton of sense. And I like that he like ventured into the unknown a little bit. Like the Jacksonville offense is a total unknown with the urban, with the, the Daryl Bevel with the new quarterback and new pass catchers, that entire dynamic. It we have seen young offenses pay off, and you know, you're getting a massive discount on DJ Chark's 2019 season because in 2020 he did absolutely nothing. And we're gonna see what happens. Now we're gonna talk about another player on that team a little bit later on, but that is another player who I think. It like the, the the outcomes of a season, Hayden. That might be one of the more drastic ones, especially where he's going around round seven right now. I like the strategy of taking two of the three receivers when we know that a three wide receiver team is locked in, and if the other wide receiver that you didn't draft gets hurt, is out for the year, all of a sudden those two top receivers that are on your team are reaching a higher ceiling. So that's what happened with DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. If something happens to Lavisca early on, DJ Chark and Marvin Jones are going to beat their ADPs. And then it's just a bet on Trevor Lawrence being a generational prospect. Real quick on the Trevor Lawrence stuff, he's being drafted behind Trey Lance now, and he's barely, barely, barely being drafted ahead of Justin Fields on, on underdog. Am I missing something? Did did Trevor Lawrence not average 30 rushing yards per right. game in college? We always were looking for this, the, the rushing ceiling, and that's why Trey Lance is going high and, and Justin Fields. I like those guys too. But don't discredit Trevor Lawrence's rushing ability. He's also an awesome, awesome dual threat 
quarterback, his dual threatness just doesn't uh, scream at you because he's just a better passer um, than what a Trey Lance was. So don't sleep on Trevor Lawrence just because the other guys ran slight ran uh, slightly faster than Trevor Lawrence in the 40. Trevor Lawrence is an absolute baller with his legs too. Yep. Uh, Tube has a good question here in the chat. Um, it sounded like to him that we were giving away 2,500 bucks to the winner of this draft. No, we're giving away 2,500 bucks to the community of the winner of this chat. So number one is going to get 50 entries. And then each of our number twos get 25 entries a piece to give away to their followers, to the listeners, to their viewers, however they want to. This money is not going to these people. They spend enough time on our platform. It's going to you all who support them, who also in turn support us as well. That's the basis of that. Cause we are like Robin hood. We steal from the rich and give to the poor. That's what we're doing here. All right. Does that make more sense? Does it make more sense right now? Okay. Uh, my number three was, a, I mean, it was so difficult to go back and forth since I've already mentioned that Leone was number two. Number three was he himself, my brother from another mother, Peter Overset. Uh, I love this draft. I really, I mean, this is a monster anchor running back stack. Excuse me, monster anchor running back team with a stack at quarterback and, and wide receiver that I really liked. Obviously, he's picking here at the at the 105. Alvin Kamara, who, yes, there is a a dilemma, a discussion of what exactly the Saints offense can be this year. But from a talent perspective, that is inarguable. Getting AJ Brown towards the end of round two, always good. And then Darren Waller in round three. In fact, when George Kittle went about eight picks ahead of him, seven picks ahead of him, to me, that is outstanding value and then as peter has been known to do went on an absolute tear of the wide receivers in chris godwin t higgins and i mainly want to call attention to this wide receiver quartet that he got from round six to round nine hayden and robbie anderson michael gallup mike williams and michael Pittman. it's like we took the controller from peter during that moment we're like hey let us draft for you because those are our guys as well Overs that definitely sorted by our rankings, saw the players that we were higher on than consensus, and then just kept drafting those guys. Because even after that, Alexander Madison, I'm way higher than him uh, on, on ADPs, and he drafted Alexander Madison. I've been a fanboy of Michael Pittman and Mike Williams the entire offseason. Both both you and I called Robbie Anderson the best value of the draft. So from a pure, just picking the right dude's perspective, I thought Peter Overzet had the best team. So I'm not surprised that he's in your top three. Where it fell apart for me a little bit, and I understand this has become a little bit of a meme. Watch yourself, Josh. And I'm even trying to figure out, and yes, he, he waited to take a second running back until round 12 and round 13. That's where his RB2 and RB3 went. Um, it's not necessarily the position. It's, to me, the narrative of the individuals and how they go to have usable weeks. Is that fair? Because you have Devin Singletary as his RB2 and Alexander Madison – as, as his running back three, again, in rounds 12 and 13. Madison will need an injury to Dalvin Cook, either for the entire season or multiple weeks, even have usable weeks, because he's not someone we think right now heading into the season that is going to have enough of a standalone role to even give you, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight points a week. And I think the same exact thing can be said for Devin Singletary, even in games that he started Last year, unless they rework how they utilize the running back position. I mean, Devin Singletary can be a good player like between the 20s. But once it gets to the red zone, I don't think he really has much of a role as well. And I can't see down lower down the list. But I know he hit on some other running backs like Giovanni Bernard and Chuba Hubbard. I, again, Alvin Kamara 
with that offensive line, I think we forget how much of an impact that can have on running back success. And we know he's just a monster in the receiving game as well. Um, I just struggle to see a path to even running back two scoring for any of these other running backs on this team. So the only reason why I didn't have Overzet in my top two, because I really liked all of his players, was I thought he drafted too many wide receivers. And I know, shoot me if we're drafting too many wide receivers. But last year, if you look at Best Ball Mania 1 data, uh, teams that drafted eight wide receivers with their first 11 picks, which is what Overzet did, they averaged 35 fewer points than teams that drafted four to seven wide receivers by that round 11. So I think you can draft seven through 11, but I think getting eight or nine wide receivers through the first 11 rounds is overkill. If he would have just flipped one of those wide receiver picks for a running back, I don't care which one. I thought that would be a little bit more beneficial. So that was like my only critique of Overzet was I think you can, in the seventh round, drafted one of the wide uh, running backs instead of a wide receiver. And then I probably would have picked his team uh, number one. I mean, but it is tough to go away. Again, that quartet of Robbie, Michael Gallup, Michael, it was Michael Pittman. The other holdup for me was the ceiling of his quarterbacks because you have Ryan Tannehill and you have Carson Wentz as the two quarterbacks on this team. And while Ryan Tannehill has been wildly efficient, even if his volume goes up, Hayden, which is a possibility. I mean, Robert Mays talked about this in the show. I went on with him and Evan Silva. Highly doubt the efficiency sticks with Ryan Tannehill if the volume and opportunity does go up as well. And then Carson just has to like turn into a good football player to even have like usable weeks for you right now. So the lack of a high end running back to again, unless Alexander Madison gets a starting role or Chuba Hubbard gets a starting role, something like that. And then really a top five, top six ceiling for one of these quarterbacks. Those are the two hangouts. Repeat. This was an awesome draft. It was so narrow between you at number two and number three, but I have to give you the bronze medal here. And I think you'll understand. Promo code Pete, go sign up. Use uh, promo code Pete for um, if you're new to underdog, go support this man. Um, Was he your number three as well? Uh, No, he would have been my number five. Um, Ouch. (laughs) I know. I know. You made me say it, but out of just pure picking the right dudes, I thought Overzet had the best team. But I think the the more we talk about picking the right dudes and less about roster construction, uh, probably the worst contents we're providing. Got it. Okay. So we've gone through number four, number threes on both sides. I've revealed my number two, Michael Leone, who is your number two, who will also be receiving his community 25 tickets into Best Ball Mania 2. Chris Allen, he went with a hero RB approach with Dalvin Cook. He was lucky enough to have one of the first two picks. After he went with Dalvin Cook, he waited and grabbed Raheem Mostert, Michael Carter, and then Gus Bus. Basically, one of those three have to be his RB2 weekly. That's totally fine. I think that all three of them have some uh, spiked week potential. Um, He was also the first team to get to his fourth wide receiver, He was also the first team to get to his fifth wide receiver. That's really attacking the flex position. And then after he did that with his five wide receivers early, he didn't draft his sixth wide receiver until round 12 Then finished it up with the other guy. So I thought that just purely from where you're valuing uh, each position, I thought that Chris Allen did a a wonderful job with that. And then on top of it, he went with the Bengals stack, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow. Um, We know if something happened to Joe Mixon or in this case, T Higgins, this would be a stack that has a, a plenty of upside. And then the last note I have on Chris Allen's team is he went with three tight ends because his first tight end was Irv Smith. This is the perfect example is it's okay to punt one of those uh, onesie positions. I wouldn't do with both, but when you do punt with one of those positions, I like grabbing three of them. So Chris Allen ended up going with three tight ends 
just because his first one wasn't until Irv Smith in round 12. Yeah, Chris Allen knows I love him. He did not match up to the top four. He was my number five. So I think you had an awesome draft, Chris. And for many of the reasons that uh, Hayden alluded to, where you, yes, got lucky to have one of those top two selections because those top two selections are what everyone's top two picks are going to be. But then after that, you went in the run of, of wide receivers. Now, maybe just a touch of your homerism got involved when in your proximity to the Cincinnati Bengals, where in round five and, and round six, you went with the Jamar Chase and, and Tyler Boyd combo. Um, and then followed up with obviously Joe Burrow there in, in round eight. I think a large part of the success of this team is going to be the success of also the Cincinnati Bengals, which if you just say that out loud can be a little debatable and sure they might be one of those teams this year. They absolutely could. That has a good offense, but, but not a good team. Um, just going back to be honest with you and rewatching some, some T Higgins and some Tyler Boyd and some other dynamics, I think Joe Burrow has a little ways to go. He understands his limitations, but I would say he's a little bit more of a limited quarterback than, than maybe we thought heading into the NFL. I do like how he handled his, his second running back position, though, Hayden, because you took some, some nice shots here, Chris, with Raheem Mostert in round seven. Again, there is a chance. Sure, they're going to flip up that position and, and, and use multiple backs on that team, but it could be the best rushing attack in the NFL. And we know Raheem Mostert is the most explosive running back in the NFL. And you know, I like Michael Carter in round nine. We venture into the unknown with Michael Carter. You dipped your toe in it a little bit. And I, I like what you did because one of those players could absolutely give you running back two weeks along with Gus Edwards there in, ten, in round 10 as well. Yeah, those guys are probably going to all average about seven to 12 fantasy points per game. But if you play the ping pong approach and one of them has 14 one week, the other has eight, and then you keep playing that game throughout the season. Uh, his RB2 will be just totally fine. Yep. T.Y. Hilton all the way down in wide receiver, excuse me, round 13. Jacoby Myers there in round 12, a few of our favorites to keep on going. It kind of seems like he was trying to build a Kirk Cousins Viking stack as well because you got Irv Smith, obviously Dalvin Cook in there, Justin Jefferson just couldn't make it happen with Kirk Cousins because he was selected before him in round 14 and instead pivoted over to Matt Ryan. All right, everyone. We have arrived here at the number one team in the underdog invitation. I need everyone in the chat to reveal who you think it is at the moment. In fact, Hayden and I, for once, on the same page, on the same wavelength here with the top draft in this 12-team expert draft. Hayden, would you like to reveal who that is for us and why? Friend of the show, Davis Maddock, and the reason why I loved his team is he went running back, running back start. He waited until round nine to grab his RB3, waited until round 12 to grab his RB4. He's done at the position. He goes and grabs a Cowboy stack with Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, and Dak Prescott. And then you just look at his wide receivers in general, really young, high upside players, C.D. Lamb, D.J. Moore, Chase Claypool, I thought was an awesome value. LaVisca Chenault, uh, Henry Ruggs, Terrace Marshall. That's a lot of one, first, second, or third-year players. And then he, after he drafted Dak Prescott, he waited until round 15 to go with Tua. And that was also good value for a promising young player, too. So he went with the, the young players 
And I thought that the roster construction, it was flawless. And we can't get over the uh, Cowboys stack as well. I'm sure all of you, when you're going on drafts, either an underdog or, or other platforms, your season long league, you feel like one person there like benefited from all the good players falling to them in every single round. I feel like Davis was that way, like in the first six rounds of this draft where you go Zeke and CEH to start off. And then you're still able to get a wide receiver trio of just gigantic ceilings of CeeDee Lamb, DJ Moore, and Chase Claypool. And then of your number one wide receiver, you also stack it with a quarterback who was number one in fancy points per game last year in the four full games that he played. And Dak Prescott. And look, it's not like I just have co- my complete bias baked in here because, you know, I do not love the pick of LaVisca Chenault there in round seven when you have some other guys on the board. I don't love the pick of Gabriel Davis in round 11 because I fully believe that someone like Cole Beasley, who was taken just after him in this draft, is going to outscore him. And I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to outscore him. But it doesn't matter. I can be wrong. Hagen can be wrong. And this is also a team that he's not relying on those two players necessarily as well. And then you also have other ceiling wide receivers, I think, in Henry Ruggs, who could have some massive weeks, like 15, 20-point weeks as well. And again, I want to keep reiterating that Terrace Marshall, if he wins that role in training camp, you could see him jump 10 wide receiver spots and getting him in round 13. I think this is a tremendous job by Davis. I also like what he did with the backup running backs. Ronald Jones might not have the highest ceiling, but he could be in the mix for flex consideration. Same thing with Naeem Hines. And then as a pure dart throw, Damian Williams is probably the direct handcuff to David Montgomery. I'm not really too concerned with with Tariq Cohen. So I thought that uh, at the end of the draft, he shot for some upside. And like Davis does, every single draft, Byron Pringle, you got to grab at least (laughs) one Chiefs wide receiver in every single draft. Davis's streak continues there too. Um, Well, Nick Rudman, if Davis comes in last, Josh and Hayden have spent 24 hours in a Waffle House. Deal. Uh, Don't, you're speaking too quickly, Hayden. What you do here is you say, hopefully everyone forgets about this and we move on and you and I never speak of this ever again if that happens. But I guess Hayden took you up on that. Do they have Waffle Houses in California, Hayden? Uh, not that I know of. They have like yeah. norms. There's there's what some other norms. Meme. It's it's Waffle House, but like not not meme worthy. It's just bad. <laughs> uh, anything else with Davis? I mean, I don't even think we talked about Tyler Higby, who's his top tight end. You and I really like that as a shot with the Rams because we know that that offense can, even if it stays the same, the lack of competition with Gerald Everett there, who's been inside and outside of of the lineup, but maybe even Tyler Higby's activated more often because of the addition of Matthew Stafford. Um, there's just, there's a lot to like with, with Davis's team. And obviously now he will get to give away 50 best ball mania two entries out there. All of you need to go at him on Twitter. Naeem Hines, another player that we mentioned in previous drafts is potentially the best receiving running back in the league. And he's still going to be um, featured this year, despite Jonathan Taylor possibly taking a next step. I don't know what to say about this. I and mean, Davis, again, it feels like Hayden just had a lot of these values fall to him, especially CD in round three, the middle of round three, and Dak in the middle of round five. I do wonder if if people started drafting and they said, oh, I didn't get one of the top Cowboys wide receivers, so I'm just going to let Dak slip. And then Davis was the, the beneficiary of that. Yeah, Davis, I mean, everything fell to him, but – Everything else, like roster construction-wise, is perfect, too. So yeah. uh, go listen to his podcast. He has a lot of cool – brings on, like, poker guests and, like, 
investment guest. He does a lot of cool stuff on his podcast. So go listen to Davis's stuff. All right. I guess that's it. Anything else we need to talk about here? Hayden? You want to do superlatives. Do you have like a best value pick or something like that that you wanted to go over? Um, oh, that's a good question. It's probably something I should have prepared for. I mean, I feel like all these names are of players that we keep bringing up over and over and over again. I'm trying to one that find one that went like late, late, late. Look, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we look at Chris pick Chris's pick here in round 14 with Matt Ryan as his quarterback too. And then also with Dan back as his quarterback too, if Ryan Fitzpatrick and Matt Ryan give them uh, usable weeks there of those quarterbacks later on. Again, we keep talking about it, that drafts are really 12 rounds and less, like that's the bulk of your team. And then round 13 and beyond, you're just trying to get maybe two or three usable weeks out there. And maybe the position that allows you to do that more than any other is the quarterback position. So waiting to get your second quarterback and even your third in cases during in those moments, uh, that is good process. And both of those players and Matt Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick are two of my favorites, along with Kirk Cousins a bit later on are, are a few of my favorites in that area. I'll even throw out Big Ben going at 17-12. I mean, almost the last round for Big Ben, who's had uh, many, many, many years in a row of at least uh, QB2 performance. Maybe if he's losing a little bit of weight, if he's taking the the TB12 pills that he's rumored to be doing, that maybe has a little bit of a bounce back season. Um, I will throw out one name. We haven't talked about him much, is Blake Jarwin in the 16th round. We had Jeff Cavanaugh on the show. He said that Blake Jarwin is probably going to be the starter at tight end for the Cowboys. I think that once training camp happens and once we have hard knocks and they're starting to feature somebody like Blake Jarwin, his rehab's going well. I think Blake Jarwin's going to all of a sudden be in the conversation as a top 15 fantasy tight end. He's going a little bit later than that. So I think that now is probably the time to get your Blake Jarwin shares in. And a few more, 1703 Van Jefferson, who's kind of like wide receiver insurance in some ways. Like if Cooper Cup goes down, if Robert Woods goes down for an extended period of time, I think Van Jefferson fills either one of those slots and becomes a starting wide receiver for the Rams who have, you know, Tutu Atwell and Deshaun Jackson as kind of just role players on that team. And then Kadarius Toney. I mean, Hayden, you and I keep mentioning it. Maybe more in this draft than any other at the 1711. Every single negative aspect of where we view Kadarius Tony right now is baked into where he's going. And this is later than I've really ever seen him. But the second to last pick of the second to last round for a rookie first round wide receiver, that's that's absolutely nuts on paper. You know it's priced in when the pod father is drafting a fourth year <laughs> player with bad production. When the pod father says this is enough, Kadarius Tony's a value, that's when you know he's actual value. The pod father, trust me, does not want to be higher on Kadarius Tony on the market, but the market has really tanked Kadarius Tony's outlook. I think by the second half of the season, I would be surprised if Kadarius Tony isn't mixing in a couple spiked weeks just because he's so athletic. All right. I think that's going to do it. Again, everyone here, like and subscribe the video. We're here live on YouTube, 1230 Eastern, Monday through Thursday. The light is shining down on me, which is the spotlight telling me I need to get out of here for today's show. We have clips from other previous shows. We're really going to, I mean, we've been doing a whole bunch of content out there that I think is really actionable for all of you in terms of roster construction, in terms of player evaluations, just big picture, small view things of football and fantasy football. Go back into the backlog and check those out. And again, 50 entries are going to Davis Maddox community, his team. 
his readers, his viewers, all that kind of stuff. 25 to Michael Leone and ETR and 25 to Chris Allen as well. Go at those guys on Twitter. We appreciate all 12 people and teams uh, for participating in this. Hayden, it was a lot of fun. Um, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Yes, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, go to the YouTube, subscribe. We're almost at 2,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. That's pretty impressive, I think, for us just starting this out. I think our YouTube content, there'll be bonus YouTube content only uh, in the next couple of months. I'm going to do a live stream only for YouTube subs later this week. So if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, make sure to go check out our YouTube page occasionally too. Yeah, we've got some amazing content on the way when preseason games start, when training camp kicks off. Uh, can't wait to get into that as well, but it's not going to stop rolling until then. All right, everyone. We appreciate you all out there. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on the podcast. Subscribe to YouTube. We will talk to you all soon. See ya. Music.